Hello, my fellow fallible humans. Welcome to the Red Roof Recovery Show. This is an addiction recovery program to soften the path of recovery from substance and behavioral addictions. I'm your host. My name is Tanya McIntyre, and I am so grateful that you are here spending the next 30 minutes with us as I share my experience, strength, and hope around my own recovery from drugs and alcohol. First, though, I want to take a moment to thank my friend, my mentor, a very talented singer-songwriter-musician. His name is Russell Allen Scott, and he has gifted me the use of this beautiful theme song that he wrote. It's called Greatest Bravery, and it's from his CD titled The Master Key. Thanks so much, Russell. And you know what? I'm, I'm so grateful for that song in so many ways because it's uh, significant for me to have a, a theme song for this show called Greatest Bravery because it certainly did take great bravery for me to come out of the proverbial closet to start talking publicly about my addictions to drugs and alcohol because I did manage my addictions for a very long time through a successful broadcasting career, in fact. And then I founded Red Roof Recovery uh, just before the world was slammed with the pandemic, the COVID-19 pandemic in March of 2020. Uh, we certainly started to feel the ripple effects of that in Ontario, Canada. And it kind of slammed the door on my plans to develop a residential program that I was intending to run from my home. But thankfully, things are uh, back on track and running. So if you or someone you know thinks that you might benefit from a unique residential recovery program where you have your own self-contained apartment and you're knee-to-knee with me for one week, you come Friday after work, and you leave the following Friday after lunch. It's an extraordinary effective program that's founded on the principles of what I talk about all the time, cognitive behavioral therapy. And people ask me all the time, what, is, what does cognitive mean? Cognition is thinking. It's just thinking therapies, and there are lots of thinking therapies. I think the key in life and in addiction recovery is to find, keep that key going into different locks, find something that works for you and keep doing more of that because we're all different. Our addictions are different and our recovery is going to be different. We need to get something customized for us and then do more of it. As one of my favorite mentors, Dr. David Burns says, the most crucial predictor of recovery is having a persistent willingness to make consistent efforts to help yourself. So thanks so much for David Burns for mentoring me. Uh, you can learn more about Dr. David Burns. He's a pioneer in the development of cognitive behavioral therapy, and he has a fantastic resourceful website at feelinggood.com. And his books, feelinggood.com, a fantastic uh, body of work from Dr. David Burns and it's an effective treatment of bibliotherapy for the treatment of depression and anxiety, uh, drug-free. And it certainly has helped me and continues to help me with my depression and anxiety. So thank you for being here as we talk about different topics around addiction recovery and mental health disorders in general, because I do believe that addiction is a mental health disorder. I'm grateful to have my partner of more than 30 years, my husband, my best friend, Lancelot, is back to well, impart his wisdom with us. And um, Lance lived through my addictions. And he's wonderful to impart his experience 
as a family member of a loved one who was challenged with substance use disorder. And we're here to talk about something that comes up all the time in SMART recovery uh, meetings. I'm a facilitator with SMART self-management and recovery training. I became a certified facilitator with SMART in 2018. And I often say that AA, the 12-step program of AA, saved my life. And SMART gave me my life back. Uh, when I went into rehab in, back in 2009, uh, the 12-step program was the primary model of recovery in rehab facilities at that time. So I still continue to go to AA meetings. If you can find good 12-step meetings, uh, fantastic. They're great for peer support. It's a wonderful personal development program. And I do enjoy going to AA meetings because of that peer support. I have uh, friendships that will last a lifetime from my time spent in AA meetings. And it was the time spent in 12-step meetings, actually, that had me seeking a more secular support program, something that I could bring to my community because I was going to a lot of funerals in my eight, nine years in 12-step meetings. A lot of my peers weren't returning from their lapses or relapses, and I knew it was going to probably be a matter of time before I didn't return from one of my relapses because in that eight, nine years of 12-step doctrine and programming, I was a chronic relapser, and it was reaching a point where I was frightened that I wasn't going to come back from my next relapse. So SMART was definitely uh, the key for me and continues to be a key for me. So I'll be sharing uh, the philosophies of cognitive behavioral therapy, and there are lots of cognitive behavioral therapies that we're going to be talking about here. One of my favorites is REBT, Rational Emotive Behavior Therapy, and that was the brainchild of Albert Ellis and a couple of his students, Wendy Dryden and Walter Matwichuk. Dr. Matwichuk has a fantastic resourceful website at rebtdoctor.com. And he holds a conversational hour every Saturday morning. I love starting my weekends with Walter at 9 a.m. Eastern Time. If you go to rebtdoctor.com and sign up for his newsletter, you will receive that link for his Zoom conversation. I always learn so much during that hour because he takes a volunteer from his audience of 100 or so people that join that every week. And he works through something called the ABCs of Rational Emotive Behavioral Therapy. It's a wonderful tool of recovery and of life. So I highly recommend that. So let's get to it, Lancelot. You have uh, been an expert communicator with me <laughs> over the course. I wouldn't say that. Oh, I certainly would. I've always given you credit for uh, our marriage lasting thir over 30 years now. And you, you are my best friend. And I'm grateful for our relationship. And I'm grateful for you facing one of your biggest fears uh, talking publicly, being on camera. I'm grateful that you're here to, to uh, alleviate my anxiety around that. Thank yeah. you. Strange that you have anxiety after all this time. <clears throat> yeah, isn't it? You would mm -hmm. think it would get better with time. I think I learned to carry it differently, for sure. I try not to think too much about being on camera because um, I'm grateful for the stage for producing this on camera for me and also for producing the audio version, which I send to uh, my favorite radio station in Kitchener, 98.5 CKWR. It's the multicultural station in Waterloo region, and I've been volunteering with them for a long time. 
So Mark at the stage here in Godrich, Ontario, when we moved here, uh, he was very receptive to not only producing the audio for me so I could send it to Kitchener and not have to drive that 90 minutes every week, uh, and also doing the video recording, which uh, is available on YouTube, which is the second most watched medium in the world. So that kind of fills me with anxiety because I stayed in radio for a reason. Um, I was not comfortable in front of a camera. So here we are. <laughs> so communication comes up a lot in uh, SMART meetings. And SMART is all about, as I, I pointed out today, because um, in our SMART meetings, they, you can range from anywhere from 10 people to 50 people to 150 people sometimes. My meetings normally get around 50 people. And you can't be all things to all people. And sometimes there will be somebody checking in that uh, is not staying focused on recovery and tools and, and solutions-based um, tips and ideas. We all like to take a few laps in the pity pool, right? The, the key is to know when to get out and dry off. Mm -hmm. And as a facilitator, it's my job to redirect people to stay focused on their recovery and come up with solutions and strategies and techniques and tools that we can use to redirect our unhelpful thinking patterns. And a lot of that is just communication, for sure. Absolutely. How do we communicate to people uh, that what they're saying is not helpful? Well, everything's communication. Mm-hmm. Doesn't matter what you're doing. Right. And, and effective communication, when you say, you know, you can't be everything to everyone, everyone is different. Everyone receives information in a different way. Mm -hmm. So, you know, for instance, if I talk to you about something mechanically technical. My eyes glaze over. I think I'm putting in the most simple terms. Mm -hmm. And normally I have to draw something or show you what I'm actually going to do because you just can't get it. Yes, and it's important to know how you communicate, and there are some tests that Very you can do that. So. One of my favorites, actually, is from another mentor of mine called Michael Lozier. He's a Canadian law of attraction expert, and uh, Michael lives out in beautiful British Columbia, and he's an NLP uh, specialist as well. So he talks about how we can build rapport with people and also break it instantly if we're not communicating with their communication styles. We all have different communication styles. I'm a visual learner and uh, often a visual communicator. Mm -hmm. You know, do you, can you see what, what I mean? Um, some people are audit, auditory learners, so they, they learn by listening. Some people are kinesthetic learners. They talk about feeling, you know. Hands on, yeah. Mm -hmm. And then there's a digital learner, uh, engineer people are digital type learners. What do you mean by digital? As in well, that's a good question. The, the digital it's, it's world more, um, or, or digits actually hands-on? Like, okay. a, like a functional uh, because black I was, and white kind of, yeah. With engineers, and I don't want to tar everyone with the same brush. When I'm making a comment about um, groups of people, I mean, SMART has taught me not to label people. So I'm very cognizant of uh, trying to stay away from labeling people and groups of people. However, my experience with a lot of people who are, their vocation is engineering, it takes a specific kind of digital, digital rational um, thinking that a lot I don't have, 
for sure. As a visual learner, I don't have it. I'm, I'm very emotional too. Kinesthetic is part of my learning styles. And with engineers, they, they can't understand why I don't understand. How as could in, you not understand that? It's simple. As in when it's I try concept. to explain something right. mechanical to mm -hmm. It's because in engineering, if, if you've got a problem, you work through it. Or if you're trying to make a machine to solve a certain problem. If I do, if I have A and I put B to it, I get C and A, B and C will get me to D, which makes the part. It's very linear. It's very controlled. If A and B don't work, then A and C might work, or B and C. So it's very structured, it's very... You get taught to think a certain way. Well, that's certainly what uh, cognitive behavioral therapy is, for sure, as well, right? It's a structured way of thinking, learning yeah, how to reframe... Yeah, but I think reframe. with cognitive behavioral therapy, when it comes to behaviors, you're talking about people, and people are far more complex than machines. Right. In our physiology and in our mental makeup. Mm -hmm. Because, as you all know, in communication, it's not always what you say, it's how you say it. Oh, do I know that? You remind me, often. No, you remind me, because apparently no one gets upset when I say something, but if you say exactly the same thing... I know, it's the tone of voice I use. Yeah. Tone of voice, it's... You have a very matter-of-fact way of putting things. Well, mm -hmm. there you go. Direct. Very direct. Yeah. For instance, this morning was garbage day. <laughs> so we had, uh, we have two floors in our house and we have a garbage receptacle upstairs and a couple downstairs as well. So as we're collecting garbage, I had the garbage from upstairs collected in a bag that was by the door. It was the pathway to the door to go downstairs. There's the garbage bag right there. However, I didn't communicate it to Lance. And he's downstairs collecting the garbage <laughs> and putting out some stinky food that we had kept in the fridge uh, for garbage day. So he was anxious to get it out because it didn't smell very, very good. And he tied it up very, very tightly to to the, the at, at the curb <laughs> so it wouldn't attract animals until the garbage um, truck comes to pick it up. So I come downstairs with the, gar the garbage bag that I have, and I'm going to, my intention is to put it in the big garbage bag, <laughs> which I can't open the knot because it's too tight. So I came in, and again, it's how I said it, because I, I was frustrated, and I'm, I've got this internal dialogue going on in my mind. Like, I can't believe, why didn't he just ask for help? Why didn't he tell me what he was doing? Why, could he not see that the garbage bag was right there? How could he pass that and not see it? <laughs> All of this ridiculous dialogue going on in my head then uh, accumulates into what I call uh, unhelpful. <laughs> An unhelpful comment to say, uh, something sarcastic and I can't, I, like, could you have uh, done a better chokehold on that garbage bag <laughs> or something like that? It was not, it was not kind. No, but <laughs> you also said, um, didn't you see it? Which is redundant. How could, you, how could you not see the garbage bag? It was right there in your path. Which is rather yep. redundant because obviously I didn't see it. Mm-hmm. Right, and, and assumptious. Yeah, and assumptious. assumptious. Is that yeah, right? Yeah, stating the obvious. Mm -hmm. Which again, I often state the obvious, don't I? 
A lot of people do. Yeah. I do it now and again mm -hmm. as well. Everyone does. But I use sarcasm with it, which is not helpful because that is considered what we call in communication styles uh, passive aggressive. <laughs> totally unhelpful. <laughs> it's unlike you to be passive aggressive. Oh, come on. That's... Normally you're just aggressive. <laughs> Thanks. Mm -hmm. You can be, as I say, you can be very direct. A lot of people can. I have one daughter that's very direct and one daughter that isn't. And again, you can do the same, the same thing, say the thing, same thing, and have two totally different reactions mm -hmm. from the same person. That's why I encourage everybody to uh, take the advice of SMART, which I endeavor to take myself as well, which... Endeavor being the yeah, optimum word. Strive. Mm -hmm. uh, I didn't take the advice to practice the pause. So we have lots of acronyms in SMART. SMART stands for Self-Management and Recovery Training. And lots of acronyms when referring to tools because for some, uh, it's easier to recognize the acronym to remember what it stands for, uh, for some. And... There is an acronym for uh, practicing the pause, and it's called STOP, S-T-O-P. So me being a visual learner, when I learned this tool of communication, I like to see the actual stop sign whew, flashing up in my mind. That big red stop sign reminds me to wait, wah, 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 leave it in draft, whoa, whoa, slow down. <laughs> so the stop is stop. The T is for take a breath or take however many you need. So for me, I like to even, uh, you know, take, take a pause to say, hmm, that's a very interesting question. Uh, you know, maybe let me get back to you on that or not even a question. Oh, that's, that's an interesting thought. Let, let me uh, mm. contemplate that. What's my favorite word? Let's contemplate and I'll get back to you on that. Just to <clears throat> practice that pause, to put it in draft, Give your time to then move into the O of the STOP acronym to observe. So what, what you're doing with the observance is observing how I feel and observing how someone else might feel in this situation, um, thinking about the, out, the ideal outcome that I would like to have from this exchange of communication and thinking about what the, what the options are. How, how is the best response going to be uh, delivered to get me the outcome that I would ideally like to have here? And then the P is for proceed. Well, I think the problem nowadays is that if you go back in time, there were basically two types of communication. The written word, the letter, or face-to-face. -face. Mm -hmm. So... Obviously, with face-to-face -face communication, the person that you're communicating to can ask questions. You can see if they're visually upset with what you've said. There's a whole dynamic that goes on there. With the written word, you to actually write with a pen and then read it through to make sure and then put it in an envelope and walk to the post office. That is your pause, mm -hmm. or used to be. And then we had the telephone. Well, the telephone, there have been some studies that show that you can tell if someone's lying better on the telephone than you can face-to-face. -face. There's something in the mannerisms of, like, when you're not visually seeing a person where the, the markers can confuse you, when you just 
hear the person, you can tell if they're lying better than if you're in person. Hmm. But it's still not a great communication device because you're not seeing the person, you haven't got all other clues and what have you. And then we're moving into the digital age where Twitter and text and email, which is least because it's instantaneous, there is no pause, there's very little, especially with Twitter, what is it, 150 characters, I think, something mm. like that, which you can't communicate anything really meaningful. So we've moved into a place where we've got so many more ways of communicating, but none of the, them that give you that stop. Mm-hmm. There is no stopping more. Everything's instantaneous. And this is where a lot of communication falls down, I think. Yeah, I agree. Um, we use something in, there's a family and friends division of SMART that I love as well. Uh, because, you know, definitely, you know, as a family member going through addictions with me, as your loved one, uh, the challenges that come, you're going through pretty much as much, just as much as I was going through in your own way. Yeah, obviously. Feeling helpless, hopeless. Yeah, obviously it's different. Yeah. There's a, there's a whole, there's a different path to where, as a family member, you need to get to. Hmm as opposed to because obviously we don't have the family member doesn't have the addiction but in some ways we're addicted to trying to help the person even to the detriment of yourself sometimes exactly that's where the airplane analogy comes in handy and i remind people all the time if you've ever flown in one of those metal tubes that go in the air uh, we are instructed if the cabin pressure changes and the oxygen mask falls from the ceiling we are instructed to put the mask on yourself first. You can't help anybody until you help yourself first. Very difficult concept for a lot of us to embrace because it's construed to be selfish to do anything mm-hmm. for yourself. So it's a paradox of communication that's, that's a stumbling block for many people in relationships. So in Family and Friends of SMART, we use yet another acronym and this one is PIUS for Positive and Effective Communication, P-I-U-S. The P includes positive statements in your conversation and do your best to avoid negative comments. And then the I of PIUS is using I statements to help you communicate your needs and your wishes and do it without blaming, shaming, or criticizing the other person. This is huge. Because uh, as we learn in the ABCs of rationally motive behavioral therapy, we often go to the adversity of the A, the adversity of life or the activating event. The B is for beliefs. We skip over those beliefs and we go directly to the consequences. We're A, C thinkers. So we often say, your behavior caused my whatever in our communication. So it's really important to keep it about I. You know, I feel is uh, one of my favorites. The U is understanding. So you've got P, positive, I, I statements, U, understanding. So you wanna listen and reflect back exactly what you've heard. You wanna show your loved one that you understand and respect their point of view, even when you may not agree with it. You just want to convey to them that you understand what they're saying and you respect their point of view. And then the S of pious is 
sharing responsibility. It's a shared responsibility. And when you accept and share responsibility, you're demonstrating to your loved one that you understand and acknowledge your part in the problem, which can go a long, long way in breaking a conflict cycle, which is so common in relationships with people. And it's a breakdown of communication. That's why the only people who win in uh, divorce settlements are the lawyers. Very much so, yeah. <laughs> yeah. The, the communication within, within the marriage or within the family unit, I mean, if you've got children and you've got your parents and as we know, you know, you didn't get on very well with my father and, and there's a whole dynamic going on there. The, the communication we have is different with every family member mm -hmm. because we're all individual. And as I say, the, the, way, the way one person conveys information doesn't mean if, if you're sitting there with a whole room of people and you convey something, there's going to be a myriad of different interpretations of what you've said because everyone has a different bias. Yeah. So to jump to conclusions, when I say, like, yeah, I communicate something, to jump to the conclusion that you've understood it the way that I've delivered it, yeah. delivered it, mm -hmm. is erroneous. There's no, there's no way I know that you've received it the way, in actual likelihood, you've mostly received it in a slightly different way than I intended it because we're two different people. Yeah. So effective communication is communicating and then backing up to see if the information I've imparted has been received in a way that what often happens is the person says something, it's received in a different way, and that person doesn't respond. They overreact or they internalize. Mm -hmm. the reaction, and what happens when we internalize? Resentments grow. Yeah. It's like you doing the fermented veggies that we're calling veggies now. So I'm watching Lance go through this process now of fermenting vegetables because we want to get, you know, the whole gut thing that, that we're, we were spending a fortune on probiotics. So Lance said, now that I'm retired, I'm going to come up with a natural way that we can generate all those uh, healthy uh, enzymes. Microbiome. And, mm, thank you. In our tummies uh, in a more natural way. So he's fermenting veggies. <laughs> And now I understand why uh, people who are doing kimchi at home are kicked out to the garage to do it because it, it can be a smelly uh, endeavor for sure mm. process. Um, so the, I can't even remember what, what was... I, I don't know. Where was I going with the veggie go. story? Oh, man, I hate that. There's, mm. I, have, I, I want to put a whiteboard around my neck thinking, like, this thought starts here and ends there. So, no, I've lost it. Yeah. As happens so often. As happens. Mm-hmm. Fermented veggies, veggie. Oh, yes, thank you. Because when you put the fermented veggies in the container and cover it, the purpose is that now it's got to ferment. And the fermentation, you can watch it, physically watch it, mm -hmm. uh, bubbling to the top and then like a volcano, it starts coming out over the top. So that's what happens when we internalize. It's coming out one way or another, yeah, right? it ferments. It's fermenting, you. yeah. And, you know, instead of saying, if, if you're not sure, instead of saying, do you mean this? Did I understand this correctly? Yeah, this is how I understood it. You want to try to be verbatim and saying, okay, so um, what I understand is that, and you want to try to, to repeat it back exactly as you heard them. Yeah. And stay focused on facts, facts instead of what we think. Because... I think I heard. No, that's not what I said. Well, we all, we all hear what we want that's to hear. That's not what I meant, right. 
exactly. A lot of time, that's all we want to hear. We want to hear what we want to hear. No kidding. Oh, my darling Lancelot, thank you for everything you do. I'm so grateful you're yeah. retired. Thank you. I'm, We're enjoying I'm life together. I'm retired. And thank you for this, for being on this show. I know you're facing one of your greatest fears being here with me, and I really appreciate it. Thank you. Yeah, welcome. Thank you for being here. Thank you, thank you, thank you. You are an integral part of my recovery journey, so I appreciate you being here. Uh, some sh shameless self-promotion now. My two books, Mindful Wisdom from My Philosopher Dad, Some Sage Advice from a Single Father, A Legacy to My Father. He was an extraordinary man. And then uh, through the pandemic, to keep my own sanity, I did a journal of in inspirational messages on um, lined pages, Daily Wisdom from My Philosopher Dad some inspiration to guide your days. I would like you to reflect on that, do some writing, uh, very therapeutic, uh, can be life transformational, the power of the written word. My name is Tanya McIntyre. May the force be with you. And remember, you are the force.